Go with me this morning to John 11, verse 17 to 27. The title of the message this morning, Happy Easter. I don't know how many times we've got to say it, so I just say it so I didn't miss it. I don't know when Easter you're supposed to say happy because there's so many different opinions. I don't know when you're supposed to eat eggs and when you're supposed to eat hot cross buns, but I'm told buns are on Friday, eggs are on Monday. So I trust God. I was just reminded this morning how we used to hide the eggs for the kids. Um, what a lot of fun that was. Um, and of course, as you know, with little children, once they get the taste of sugar, they wake up before the sparrows have even started waking up and they're ready to rock and roll. So I trust you've had an amazing weekend. That it's a weekend that we put ourselves in remembrance of the amazing work of the cross, what Jesus has done for us. Just, we just, it just gets gooder and gooder and gooder. Let this word become alive to you. Because you see, it is the living word. Yes, we're reading it on paper. But the word of God is spirit. It's life. Can you see? So let it become, let it talk to you from these pages. Let it frame your world as you speak it. It's such an amazing if you've got this in your hand, you've got everything you need. Maybe you don't understand that today, but I'm telling you, this is the good news. This is the currency of heaven. This is the living word. Come on. I'll show you from the word. Okay, let's read the Bible. Father, help me as I bring your word this morning that I don't speak by my limited intellect. I'm acutely aware of the weightiness of this subject. And I'm so thankful, Father, that you brought it to us by the power of your Spirit. That each one of us learn to live in the fullness of truth. Enjoy the freedom freedom from sin, the freedom to fellowship with you, talk to you, love on you, no hindrances. Thank you, Father, that as your word comes, faith will rise in our hearts and we'll be mobilized and activated to continue to run this race with faith and patience, enjoying the victories enjoying the scenery as we move from glory to glory in Christ Jesus. We give you glory, honor, and praise in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if we go to John 11, verse 17 to 27. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. 
it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. I want you to think about that act. As I was meditating on this, I was thinking about this. Taking her hair. The Bible says, with the fragrance and wiped his feet with her hair. How much did she love Jesus? Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, don't be hard on Martha. Martha was a server, loved Jesus, but got her priorities a little bit mixed up. The clean house was more important than being with Jesus. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Verse 21, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Indirectly, she poses a question to the Lord. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, <laughs> Dear Martha, she gets into religion. She's looking at the life himself, but she gets into religion. And she says, Yes, he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. That's not what Jesus was saying. So Jesus elaborates, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? In the Bible, I can't just think where the passage of Scripture is right now. Um, Jesus said, if only you believe. Simple. He asks her, do you believe this? And Martha, being a good believer, said, she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world.
As much as she loved the Lord, she couldn't quite see that dimension. That was revelation he was talking to her. It's not that she wasn't sincere. She was very sincere with the Lord. Sometimes you can be so sincere that you miss the truth. Did you hear what I said? We've got to go to church. Why are you going to church? Why? Because you are the church. Now you should go to church. The Bible says so. But can you see what I'm saying? I come to church because I'm expectant. And I'm the preacher. But I've learned something. I can prepare as much as I want. But the word becomes alive in me and he teaches me while I'm preaching. Come on. Because he's the beginning and the end. Amen. So she says, so she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Today, Resurrection Sunday, is by all accounts, as we celebrate today, including Good Friday, as we celebrated on Good Friday. Wasn't the presence of the Lord amazing in the worship? I just had such a wonderful time of worship. And I just delved in again this morning. Just because I come to be with Jesus. Jesus is in me. But the Bible says when we come together, something else happens. There's a corporate anointing that comes. So there's a dimension I can enjoy by myself. But even a greater dimension I can enjoy with you. The anointing your life as you come in agreement with worshiping the King. So today we celebrate a significant event, Resurrection Life, and I'd really like to try and unpack this a little bit for us, that Jesus said, I am. I'm so aware of the words, I am, because it's what God said to the Israelites, I am. Who is your I am this morning? Is it your own strength? Is it the resurrection and the life, Christ the King? So, without Christ's resurrection, the price of sin would not have been fully paid. I want to go back to the word. I've got a good couple of scriptures here that I want to give you because how many of you know faith comes in believing Christ by the word, no other way. Without Christ's resurrection from the dead, the penalty of sin would not have been completely paid. He had to come to a place of resurrection so that we could have life. We understand that. But let's look at it from the Word this morning. Romans 8. 
at Romans 8 verse 13. See family, when we get these truths, the enemy can't stop you. Romans 8 verse 30 to 34. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. I want you to look at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he, not with him, also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. I think we might also put in verse 35 there. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nothing separates us from the love of Christ from the love of God. Either that's from the word and you just understand it in an intellectual manner or you understand it as a reality. Nothing separates you from the love of God. I want to go off on a bit of a tangent here. I'm just hearing the Holy Ghost. So, Tino, I just, I really, I just, I don't want to embarrass you. You played on Friday, didn't you? But you were in church on Friday morning. Will you stand up, brother? This man plays for the Sharks. I've heard his testimony. He was in church. It spoke to me volumes. He was in church on Friday morning. He then went to play the game. He didn't say, I'm playing rugby for the Sharks, so I can't play. I mean, I can't come to church. Thank you, brother. I want you to give me a hand. How many people wake up and sneeze and go, oh, I don't think I should go to church today. I'm not up to it. Can you see? Walking in the resurrection life. Of Christ. Let him tell you his testimony. It's amazing. So, resurrection is the Greek word. I'm not giving you a Greek lesson, but it's the Greek word Anastasia. Anastasius. Anastasia. Meaning a standing up from the dead. But there's a point that I want to get to in this resurrection because we were spiritually dead 
We had no dialogue with God. We didn't know how to dialogue with God. I want to encourage you this morning. There's no limitation on your ability to have a conversation with God. He'll even tolerate your selfishness till He can align you to His full love. He takes us where we are. He's the most amazing being. God the Father. He's long-suffering. He's patient. He has one objective, to get us into heaven. But of course, if we reject that, there's nothing he can do about it. So what happens here is when the Bible speaks of Christ's resurrection, it's a reconciling. It's the most amazing thing. I hope I can get it out. It's a reconciling of a mutual change between man and God. God doesn't change, but he changes us to a place where we can fellowship with him because we're already created in his likeness and his image but sin has alienated us from understanding and being able to dialogue with him in the fullness my wife and I were walking I don't know why but I raised these things because it's just I just I just we, we had a few of these conversations over the weekend. It's just amazing. You know, we were walking last night going back home on the estate. And as this vehicle came up to the gate, you couldn't see it was dark already, so you just saw the lights. And I looked up and the Lord said to me, That's Joshua coming home. I, I checked with my wife, she had exactly the same thing. And I can give you multiple. It was only when he greeted us that I realized what the Lord had said. I said, oh, okay. And I kept, because I, I was huffing and puffing a bit. By then, I had to get home. Um, and I had a hill ahead of me that I had to run. Why does he do that? Because he walked in the garden with Adam. He's a father. I'm a son. He says, there's nothing secret. My son can't sneak in. I know. <laughs> hey? We had a few more where we just said, isn't it amazing how this, this is what he wanted. He wanted us to know everything about our lives. But not from a selfish point of view. From a point of view that when we know ourselves, we might well start looking outward. We should always be looking outward. So I'm going to go back to scripture here because there's a powerful scripture that needs to be put in here. I am the resurrection and the life. So that change brings about having the same required relationship to each other. The Bible speaks of equity. 
Meaning, same position. Let, let me help you, young family. Because you don't think about this enough. You are a joint heir. I'm not talking about materialism. I'm talking about relationship. I'm talking about fellowship with your Father in heaven. I'm talking about Jesus interceding for his friends, not his servants, his friends, his body. That's what the Bible's about. It's amazing. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 5. Jesus said to the Pharisees, it freaked them out. He said, are you not gods? Little g. There's no creation made or created like you and I. We are the only part of creation that has a will. We are the, I don't know if that's to wake you up or put you to bed. I'm not quite sure, but don't sleep in this house. I'll come up to you and shout. Come on. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21. Let's read this in the context of Christ's resurrection, reconciling us into a change with God. So we become like God. He doesn't become like us. Let me just clarify. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Think about that. Jesus said to us in John, the Father's in me, I'm in the Father, and I'm in you. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Twice he says it. Now we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. might have the righteousness of God. Think about that. Think about that. So what is resurrection? I'm going to, this is not comprehensive, but it will give you, hopefully, an understanding. 
when Jesus came, what happened? I'll give you a testimony, and then I'll give you this. When I got saved, to my embarrassment, I had a watering hole that served hops after hours. It's called the Travel Lodge. And so every evening, when we would leave work, the guys would stop off at the watering hole. That's a bar for you that don't know. And so I got saved. And when I got saved, I was not a broken man. And I remember I was about to leave and the guys were leaving and they said, Hey, Craig, we see you down the road for a quick one and then we'll all go home. I said, okay, see you there. And then I got in a car and thought, wait a minute, am I supposed to do that? I don't think that's right. I didn't feel comfortable. So I said, okay, Lord, what you do with this is your business. But I'm telling you the truth. I said to the Lord, how am I going to get past the travel lodge? Because my car automatically turns in. That's what they used to joke about. They used to say, Watson's car never passes here. It's like a magnet. He just turns in. I'm talking about getting sloshed. I'm talking about having a few beers and off I go home. Anyway, this day, so the distance to the travel lodge was probably no more than about the long way around, maybe a kilometer. So I had to drive around and down, and it was in the valley. And I drove, and I don't know what I was doing, but when I woke up, as the people from that area would know, I was nearing the airport. What was it called? Rand Airport. I was nearing Rand Airport. I thought, what the hell? How did that happen? It was like it was blanked out. And I was nearing Rand Airport, and that's when I realized, the travel lodge. I said, oh. He said, don't go back. And that was the last. Never touched a beer again. But I want you to see something here. This is what happens. Biblical resurrection is the awakening of moral standards according to the Word of God. Moral standards according to the Word of God. Biblical resurrection. Your moral standing. It's been a journey that God's just changed in my life as I walked with Him. The more I sought Him, the faster sin left. I was already clothed in righteousness, but I had an unrenewed mind. 
that didn't understand the ways of God, that didn't understand his moral benchmarks. And I'm not talking about a legalism. See, when I came to Jesus, alcohol gave me up. I didn't give it up as I've just told you the story. It left. It left. Hello? Hello? Come on. Now watch this. That resurrection means an awakening of spiritual truth. Now, if only I could spend time unpacking that truth. There's an awakening of spiritual truth. What does that look like? Some people call it revival. That's why I say revival should never end. But the best reference I can give you is Matthew 5, 5. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. When Jesus takes hold of your life, a hunger begins. A hunger for righteousness because your spirit man is in complete rebirth of the Father's power. You are a new creation. You're not trying to be a new creation. You are a new creation. And immediately, your spirit man longs for truth because he's now in union with the source of all life, Christ the King, speaking with the Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's what Jesus does. That's why you cannot force people to get saved. When the Father calls them, they will come. You must tell them of the love of God. And it's that love that begins the process of introducing them to resurrection life. So you see, when Jesus is in us, we have resurrection life. Everything becomes new. Now you've heard me say, but I'm going to touch on it. Let me just do this. This might help you. This book will keep you from sin. And sin will keep you from this book. Let me say it again. Sin will keep you from this book. Where are you, Adam? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? We saw we were naked. You think God didn't know where they were? <laughs> Sin keeps you from this book. And the more times 
you enjoy this book, it'll keep you from sin. And there'll be no desire to walk in unbelief, but rather a greater desire to walk in belief. So let me touch on righteousness. Righteousness, because that's what we get through the resurrection life of Christ. Please listen carefully. It's God's judicial determination. It takes place in the courts of God. It's a legal term. And this is what happens. He decides. Once the blood has washed you, He decides. And He will always decide in favor of the blood. He decides right from wrong. Righteousness becomes your status in God. And He decided it. Not you, not me, not the church we belong to, not Granny, Grandpa, Uncle Joe, or Aunt Mary. He decides right from wrong. The moment the resurrection life of the Lord Jesus Christ inhabits us in our heart. Got it? Christ removes the guilt. Far too many believers living under the guilt which then takes you to condemnation. But you're no longer under condemnation. You are now under justification meaning just as though you had never sinned or perhaps you understand this terminology better you are acquitted of all sin but you understand now acquitted if you go God forbid you ever find yourself in a dock and the judge says I acquit this person of all wrongdoing meaning you can walk out free your accusers can do nothing to you the law of the land is behind you when God acquits you heaven enforces the angels of God become the ministering spirits to you and I to ensure that we walk in the fullness of this but it doesn't stop there. And that's why I believe the Holy Ghost wants us just to hear these words and then to start to lay hold of them in a greater dimension. Sanctification in Christ. What does it mean? Basically, it means separation, but it means cleansing us from all pollutants. So, if you thought of a river that was really dirty because you see when you're unsaved the water that comes out of here is not very good it's full of pollution so sanctification is God's work by the word and it's a process you are sanctified in Christ immediately but now the process begins of the unfolding 
And what this includes is the renewal in our lives through the power of the Holy Ghost. So remember, the Lord said, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm sending you the Spirit of God. So you never feel like an orphan. You are never alone. You may think you're alone, but you're never alone. If you ever feel alone, go into your closet and say, Lord, let's commune here. Let's, let's have some conversation. I'm feeling a bit lonely. I need you just to encourage me. Guess what he'll do? So what are we talking about here? The power of the Holy Ghost to empower us to live a life word-based. Literally word-based for one purpose. The ultimate perfection. I don't know if you're going to get this. You need to listen to this. The ultimate perfection of His presence. That's what Adam had. Let me go back there. The ultimate, come on, perfection of His presence. What did Adam have? God walked in the cool of the day and would talk to Him. The presence of God is not 10,000, or a lot more than that, in the third heaven. It's not there. It's in here. That's where the presence is. The psalmist tells us God's everywhere because He's Spirit. But we certainly know we have the Holy Ghost within us who is called the Spirit of God. So I, I really want you to get this. If the anointing is not present, Sin cannot be destroyed. The Bible says the anointing destroys the yoke. That's what Christ came to do. Destroy the yoke, whatever your yoke is. It's destroyed when you accepted Christ. Now, if we're not careful, we'll pick up and put the world's yoke back on us. Don't do that. Jesus said to the religious people, He said, your tradition has nullified the power of God. Can you see? But in the context of the Lord, He has empowered us by the Holy Ghost. Well, this is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is the temple, the Bible says, of the Holy Ghost. Now, if you're speaking in tongues, that's marvelous. But that's only a sign. Don't pray to the Holy Ghost. Because you can't do that. But you can speak to Him. The more you speak to Him, the more He'll answer you. I'm going to wrap up. Redemption. took us out of sin, slavery, 
and a dead. If you're allowing sin to keep you in debt to it, you don't have to. A true blood-washed saint cannot be possessed by the devil. You can backslide and become possessed, but a true blood-washed saint cannot be possessed by the devil. But their minds can be oppressed if they allow it. Can you see? So the resurrection life in Christ has redeemed us from any sin, any debt, to a freedom. And that's what we're celebrating today. To deliver us from every aspect of the world delivered us the resur- I am the resurrection and the life let him be who God intended him to be don't put him in religious clothing he doesn't like it clothed with glory so when you get around Jesus you don't get religion you get freedom you don't get stuffy dress you get a garment of righteousness and glory think about that and the amazing part is it's not our doing it's his We just receive it, we just receive it, we just receive it, and then live in it. God bless you.